Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You are listening to the Arash Markazi Show on a new generation of radio. The all new and mightier 1090 AM. Good afternoon on a beautiful Tuesday and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and the 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I'm joined as always by producers G. Hey Wiley and Armani Buckets. How are we doing? I mean, I couldn't be more ecstatic that Bama lost, so this is a great Tuesday for me. I don't know about you, Armand. Yeah, I, you know, my biggest thing is I don't like to see consistent winners. And I guess both of these teams are consistently in the winning. I like to see new faces. But yeah, I was anti-Bama as well, I guess, if you want to say. Uh, yeah, I was rooting for Georgia. I mean, Georgia actually has not won since 1980. So for 40 years, they haven't won oh, yeah. a national title. So this is pretty huge for them to uh, have that huge of a gap. I mean, it's literally... Arash, it's you and my entire life. No, exactly. That was when I was born, 1980. So, and I don't yeah. think I was even alive the last time that they won the national championship. So, yeah, the last time that they won was back in 1980. And listen, I was at the game. I'm still in Indianapolis on my way back now. Um, it, uh, you know, when a team hasn't won for that long of a time, the emotions that you see in the crowd is incredible. Like the fans who just had tears in their eyes and and just hugging, you know, obviously family members or close loved ones, perfect strangers, of course. I mean, anyone who was a Georgia fan really soaked in that moment. And there was a ton of Georgia fans here for uh, the game. Um, I think if you're a if you're a Crimson Tide fan, listen, you've seen this team win six times since 2009. Uh, but the number of Georgia fans that I saw here this weekend was incredible. And the emotion that they really showed following that game. And again, it was a very slow game to, to, to start, you know, just a ton of field goals, right? Like three to nine, six to nine. You're thinking like, is anyone going to score a touchdown? Well, it turned into a classic game late. So happy for Georgia. I am thankful I didn't put put any money down because Georgia was a three-point favorite, and I kept thinking, like, Georgia's the favorite in this game? Like, what about Nick Saban? What about the Crimson Tide in Alabama and all the success that they've had? And just a couple of weeks ago, they, they beat them pretty handily in the conference championship game. So, um, yeah, glad that I forgot to place a wager on that game because uh, that would not have gone well for me. Um, yeah. Did yeah, I actually saw on Instagram there was a guy at uh at the uh at the game and he had placed a five game parlay. Speaking of winning money, he placed a five game thirty thousand dollar parlay and the last game to hit was Georgia money line hitting um for a winning total of one point two million dollars that this guy got to win in a five game parlay. Now, if I had that kind of money, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I would like be dropping 30 grand to do a five game parlay um, like that, even with a $1.2 million payout. I don't know what, would you guys do this? No, I don't know. <laughs> what about you, Buckets? I, I don't think I could do that. I don't think I could do that. Absolutely not. But you know, if it was um, NBA related, I might consider it, but <laughs> college football, absolutely not. It's so much so many different variables that can happen in in a college game. I think in general, 
Oh yeah, no doubt about it. Um, do yeah, have- you're depending on you're depending on little kids. Like, no offense, they're still men, but they're, you're depending on children, uh, essentially, right? You're pe- depending on 22 year olds at the most to to make you some money. So I I don't know. I'd be I'd be sweating um, if I did this. <laughs> I, I don't know at what age you 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 have to stop being called a child. Though. If you're like 21 years old, six foot nine, 250 pounds, I get it. But uh, yeah, I don't think you're so much of a child. I get it. it. It is college sports. But listen, college sports, this is a multi-billion dollar industry. Again, the college football national championship game had the look and feel of the Super Bowl. I mean, I've been so lucky during the course of my career to cover games like this. And I mean, the, the college football playoff, um, has done a really good job of really duplicating the model of the Super Bowl in terms of having it in a lot of the same venues, really d- doing it up this, the same exact way. So it definitely has the look and feel of a Super Bowl. And the college football playoff national championship game will be at SoFi Stadium next year. This year, of course, it is the home of the Super Bowl. Um, and if you will remember at the beginning of the show, you know, I normally say the same thing, although I tweaked the intro a little bit because t- t- today is a very significant day for us. Uh, today is our first show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN radio. Again, we've been on Mightier 1090 uh, since the, they relaunched back in uh, – well, we we – we're having conversations before they relaunched the station. Our first show was October 7th, 2020. But now they are officially the home of ESPN Radio in Southern California. Um, just an, an exciting day. And uh, we are still followed by Rich Eisen, but, uh, you know, the 1090 programming now begins with Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Max, followed by Mike Greenberg's show, and then Rich Eisen, and then us. And so just really exciting uh, time to be the home of a lot of great programming coming up. And, gee, hey, you know, as a sports talk radio aficionado like you are, I know uh, this is a, a real big moment for you as well. Yeah, I mean, I actually, when I would get up early enough before this show, um, before we got the wonderful opportunity to be on 1090 when it first relaunched and um, now on an ESPN, their official ESPN radio, I actually listened to Jay Will and uh, and all, all those boys. So I, I'm really looking forward to uh, being a part of this wonderful family. I mean, I'm, we're already part of an amazing family, right, in the Mightier 1090, but now it's just expanding and it's just getting bigger. So I'm psyched. I'm stoked, as my people in Manhattan Beach would say. We're very, very stoked to be able to be on this, um, a part of this family. So looking yeah. forward to it. It should be an exciting time. And again, we will be out at the Super Bowl on Radio Row. So we'll talk about that more as we, you know, get closer to that date again. Monday, this upcoming Monday, big wild card game at SoFi Stadium, the Rams and the uh, Seahawks. We'll see how long the Rams go in this postseason. Again, you know, again, hoping that they, uh, you know, beat the beat the Cardinals on wild card Monday night. But if they do, Jihei, they they got to travel to Tampa Bay, perhaps, to play the Buccaneers, and then if they can win that game, you know, this this is why that that loss was big. Not just the the, the division, so they won the division because the Cardinals lost, but 
When you lose that number two seed, you lose the advantage of playing a home game in the in the second round of the playoffs. So now if they do beat the Cardinals in the wild card round, they got to travel to, to Tampa Bay to play the defending Super Bowl champions um, in round two. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, but again, we have the way too early odds. You know, we, we just had the national championship game last night in Indianapolis, Georgia defeating the Crimson Tide. But, you know, this is why college football is the way it is. I mean, it's so predictable that already the odds for next year, I don't think, I'm. you know, you, you, you guys are going to have to guess that long. Guess who uh, the favorite is and the co-favorite or the, the uh, top two teams to be playing in the national championship game at SoFi Stadium next year? I'm, I mean, I'm assuming one of those is Green Bay. No, yeah, this is the oh, next year, next year, next this year. This is the national championship. So the uh, Alabama next- Crimson Tide are favored. They're at five and two, and we have uh, Georgia at nine and two. You know, you just have these perennial teams in the SEC always in contention. So Alabama five and two, Georgia at nine and two, Ohio State seven and one, Clemson twelve and one, Oklahoma fifteen and one, Michigan fifteen and one. And I guess a surprising pick, but maybe not uh, because they got a new coach. USC, 20 to 1. I mean, I think that has a lot to do with Lincoln Riley being the coach. And I, and I definitely think USC will be in contention in the not too distant future. I, I don't think that it's going to be a quick turn. I don't think they're going to go from, uh, you know, being five and seven and not playing in a bowl game to all of a sudden being a championship contending team. But, um, you know, listen, you have these perennial powerhouses in college football. So every year you have Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State and Clemson. And I think to Bucket's point, it was nice to see Georgia win. It was nice to see a team that hadn't won in over 40 years win the national championship. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, this is why sports is so great is, is the raw emotion of the fans after that game. And when they when, when you see a team, your team that hasn't won in, you know, again, 40 years, like when the Dodgers won the World Series, I saw that same emotion. Again, we were in Texas. It was the bubble. But a lot of those fans hadn't seen their, their team win in over 30 years. So the emotion that you have when you see your your team win is something else. Uh, guys, a lot of people are still talking about that Chargers game. I am amazed by the vitriol Brandon Staley is getting from a lot of former people in the league. You know, a lot of former coaches um, in the league just really going after him, kind of call, calling him a little bit arrogant, a hot shot, and things like that. Um, Listen, if you're a Chargers player, and again, we, we don't know what's said in the huddle. Maybe these guys like Staley and they trust him. This will be interesting how they navigate this offseason because I think there, there's no doubt that this was a playoff team. Um, how do you view Brandon Staley? I mean, again, this is his first year, uh, not only first year with the Chargers, first year as a head coach. So, I mean, I think he's a he's a fine head coach. I mean, I think you learn on the job. I think he, he hopefully he's learned some of the mistakes that he made in year one can make those adjustments and improve. But 
I've been really amazed, you know, because generally speaking, you know, if you've coached in this league, if you've been a GM in this league, I mean, the the number of people who've really gotten like after this guy kind of shows me that there's a lot of coaches and GMs perhaps in this league who who are not high on him. And maybe they're jealous, but listen, at the end of the day, he's not in the, the playoffs. So how do you view Brandon Staley following the way the Chargers closed out the season? I mean, to be honest with you, you call it arrogance. I call it confidence, right? I mean, you got to be a little bit on the confidence side to be in the National Football League and to be a head coach in the National Football League and to take a head coaching National Football League job because it's not the best. People think that it's like, you know, all, you know, bells and whistles and it's amazing, but there's a lot of tough decisions you have to make, right? I mean, you get attached to these guys. They are your family. It's work. You know, like you guys are with each other 24-7, preseason, postseason, during season, you know, you're you spend more time with these guys than you do your own family, um, which is in most cases in a work envi- working environment. Um, but now you involve the ultimate team sport in football. So um is he arrogant? I, I don't think that he's insanely arrogant. I just think that maybe he has made some bad decisions as a head coach and he needs a, a maybe a year or two to figure it out. I mean, I always give people the benefit of the doubt. I'll give you three years. And then after that, Das Vidanya, like you, you better have figured it out after three years for me. Um, and this is his first year head coaching. So cut him a little slack. Um, you know, this might also be part of like that good old boys club too, right? Uh, were, were some of these coaches like part of like the old school in the, in the coaching yeah. area? Yeah. So it might be, it might be because of that and they're used to one thing and maybe he's shaking their world and making them try to be used to something else, you know? So has he made some good decisions on clock management and pulling timeouts? Probably not, but it's his first year. Give him a little bit more time and then he'll, hopefully he'll figure it out. And if he doesn't, he won't be there that long. So, you know, he can move on from there, but that's my take on him. I don't think that he's arrogant. I think that he's learning. I think that he's confident and he's learning. Yeah. But you know, we, we touched on it yesterday and I think the issue is, if he hasn't lost the locker room, then I'm not worried. Uh, so that, so I don't have an issue with former GMs or former coaches want to go after him because of, of his, you know, penchant for going for it on fourth and five or fourth and goal at the one or things like that. But I, I think it will become a problem if you have players on the team thinking like, okay, this guy is just a little bit kind of nuts he's out there I mean like if if he just coaches the game like a regular head coach would if he punts it when he's supposed to if he kicks a field goal when he's supposed to I mean if he if he does what a normal head coach would do we win a couple more games and we're in the playoffs I think that's where it becomes a problem now I have not heard that that's an issue I I just was really surprised by the number of you know former coaches and uh, GMs who are on television who kind of, you know, just, just, uh, you know, were kind of going heavily after him. And I, and I was surprised to hear that because generally speaking, you don't see that. Um, So yeah, we'll, we'll see how, how that plays out. The Rams, of course, play the Arizona Cardinals on Monday night, big game for the Rams, um, you know, putting themselves in a position where, you know, this will probably be their only home game of the postseason unless they come back to play in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, something that we didn't touch on 
on the show on Monday, but that was a really big story in the NBA. Clay Thompson making his return for the first time since June of 2019 when he went down in the finals against Toronto and, and amazing how life uh, you know happens where you know it, it, there's no doubt that the warriors beat the toronto raptors if clay thompson and kd are healthy they both go down kd goes to brooklyn clay thompson's out for another year Kawhi leonard goes to the clippers uh so buckets i mean i we've talked about the the warriors so clearly being Perhaps the class of the NBA once again, getting Clay Thompson back. I mean, and he, and I was concerned because I didn't know how he was going to look, and and I didn't want to put too much pressure on him. He looked fantastic. It looked like this was Clay Thompson picking up right where he left off. The biggest thing for me was what you said at the end, right there, Arash. I was really concerned, and not only concerned, but I was kind of skeptical because. Not one, but two major, major injuries back to back. And usually when that happens, a player's athleticism is going to go away, at least to some degree. And the most amazing part of his return was that he looked like the same athlete. And that means if he is the same athlete, his defense should not be that much worse. And now it's a one game sample size, but not only was he offensively able to get to his spots, get to his mid-range pull-ups, get to his transition threes, but his defense looks as good as it did before the injury. So when you look at that and you take into account what Golden State already was before they had Clay, this team is obviously going to be one of the incredible favorites uh, in the West and in the NBA for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think think about this also. They don't even have Dray- they didn't even have Draymond back. Like think if they have all those tools, all those components defensively and offensively together, like they're going to run away they would run away with the West. I I don't think that there would be any question in the regular season that they would run away with it. Yeah, there's no there's no question about that. One more college um football college sports topic before we head to the break here. This transfer portal is really incredible. You know, I I think it was put in place to at least give players who for whatever reason uh are not happy at the school that they're at. You know, this this was supposed to be a special circumstance. What we're seeing now with the transfer portal in Jackson Darp, the USC quarterback just entered the transfer portal what what we're seeing is players essentially going in there if they're not happy about playing time if they want to go to another school sometimes they enter the transfer portal just to get recruited again so they enter the transfer portal and they say, hey, well, well you know, listen, I, I, I can come back to USC if I want to, or, or I can go somewhere else. So, uh, you know, it, it's almost like the, 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 they're now signing effectively like one-year contracts. And if they have a good year, they can enter the transfer portal, see what's out there. They can come back to school or they can go somewhere else. Do you like this for college sports? I think it's a slippery slope, but I like the competitiveness that it, that's, it's going to bring to the table, that it's going to bring to the forefront. I think it's going to bring – a lot of people, um, you know, that are going to be like, look, we wanted this kid before and now we have the opportunity to get him. So, you know, put on your shiny shoes and let's impress this kid. So I, I, I think it's a slippery slope, but it's an exciting slippery slope. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I like slippery slopes, though. Well, sorry about you, Buckets. Yeah, 
how many examples have we seen of coaches that basically at the last minute pull out and go somewhere else? We just saw it in Notre Dame, right? Right before the big game, their coach ends up leaving the school. So if they can do it, I don't think it's it's hypocritical to say that players shouldn't be able to do it as well. I mean, they have just as much of a right to change their minds about their schools as the coach. No, yeah. I mean, I think that's where that, that I, I think – if I do have a problem with it, and my problem is more, you know, the number of players in the transfer portal now and, and, and things like that. But you're right. I mean, if a coach can up and leave and give his players a one-minute notice and have a two-minute, like, exit meeting or two-second exit meeting, I agree. All right, let's leave it different. When uh, when we come back, we'll talk more about the college football playoff national championship when we come back here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio and the fan in Las Vegas. We will be right back with the Arash Markazi Show. And you are listening to a new generation of radio, the all-new and Mightier 1090 AM. You're listening to the Arash Markazi Show on a new generation of radio, the all-new and mightier 1090 AM. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas again. Big college football playoff national championship game last night in Indianapolis. I am still in Indianapolis. I was at the game last night. Incredible game. They came right down to the fourth quarter. Fantastic game. But Georgia defeating Alabama to win their first national championship since 1980. All the press conferences were uh, virtual. No in-person press conferences. It was a weird championship weekend here, championship day here. But the game was fantastic. So now let's hear a little bit of the audio from the post-game press conference from the college football national championship game. Uh, hey, Coach, congratulations on a fantastic year and a fantastic season. Uh, you're, I heard your reference that, uh, there to uh, some property destroyed in Indy tonight, which is obviously goes back to Larry Munson. Can you talk about uh, uh, winning, helping the fans, you know, kind of referring to the fans? You just talked about how much you want to do it for the men in the locker room. Or is there some satisfaction in doing that for these uh the uh, fans who followed this program for all those 41 years. Yeah, there's a lot of satisfaction doing that for them. But ultimately, it's those guys in the room, the blood, sweat, and tears, and, you know, 200-and-something workouts and 160-something practices. Uh, I appreciate them so much. Now, our support has been tremendous. When we go on the road, our fans have been absolutely incredible. Um, I think about Lauren Smith, who's sitting there. I think about hugging Vince Dooley's neck after the game, and I'm in tears and he's in tears. Uh, I got off the elevator the other night, and I thought it was a sign. When the elevator opened on the 15th floor, Vince Dooley was sitting on a bench, locked out of his room. And I thought, God put him there for me to see him the night before this game. And uh, he was waiting on his key to come up to his room. And I just knew that meant something. And it was a special, special win. But it wouldn't have happened without these two guys sitting next to me and those men in that locker room. Just incredible, incredible connection and toughness. That was a tough game. Uh, Kirby, congratulations. What things did you concentrate on 
changing, improving from uh, December to now against Alabama? Well, we, we practiced a lot more man-to-man. Uh, Lewis can tell you we, uh, we probably simplified some things, um, made it a little easier, didn't want one to beat us, and uh, we had some, some poor plays on him where we left him open. Um, but, you know, we, we wanted to affect Bryce, and we felt like if we could get off the field on third down, we'd be fresher and we'd have a chance to rush better. Uh, I thought Coach Lanning, Mus Champa die, Trey Scott, and uh, Schumann did a tremendous job putting a plan together, but the players carried it out. We really focused on uh, playing man-to-man and doing it better than they did it. It was no scheme trick or anything else, and these guys bought into that. Next question from Seth Emerson. Go ahead, Seth. Kirby, uh, if someone had told you five years ago that Stetson Bennett would lead you to a national championship on offense, what would you have thought? I thought, hell yeah, we won a national championship. I mean, I'd have been uh, pumped. Uh, five years ago, he was uh, delivering passes like Baker Mayfield uh, against the scout team. And, you know, we all <laughs> – there's a lot of guys that saw him on that scout team make plays with his feet, uh, his arm whip, and decision-making, and we were very impressed. Uh, but, again, to think that it would come this far from that national championship he was a part of in there to this one, man, what a – what a, what, what a story, you know. And there's so many guys on this team that, I mean, I want to single him out. I want to single him out. William Poole, guys, this guy made a lot of plays tonight on the ball, and he was not even playing three, four weeks ago. Jalen Carter, I mean, there's a lot of guys that just made A.D. Mitchell. A lot of guys made plays, and that's what this team has been, a collective group of people stepping up when they're needed. Oh, I got you. Yeah. That, our red zone defense has been incredible all year. I can't tell you how many times this guy's lined up and had to blitz, play somebody in man-to-man. We practice red zone defense a lot, don't we? And we were number one in the country or maybe two or three in red zone defense because we got some grown men up front that don't let you run it. We force you to throw it, and then we stop you throwing it. And those red zone stops now, there were multiple times that we had huge stops in the red zone, and our, our defensive staff did a tremendous job. We felt really confident going into the game that if we wouldn't give up explosives from 50 and 60, we get them tackled. Even Keely's play, he runs the guy down and tackles him. We're going to stop him in the red area because they can't run it. They, they're going to have to throw it because they can't run it with our front in there. We'll go over next to Connor Riley. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, hey, Kirby, I wanted to ask about Jalen Carter. He makes the block, field goal, and he comes in and plays offense. What does it sort of say about him and the rest of the team that you have guys who are so multi-positional and able to do so much for you, for this team? Yeah, it's just a credit to the the toughness and, and really tenacity they have. I mean, he, he I, I took him off kickoff returns. I wanted him to be fresh, rust passer, and he was pissed at me. I thought he was going to beat me up over there when I told him he couldn't go on kickoff return because he wanted to go on kickoff return. He'd been playing defensive line. He had blocked the field goal. He played on offense. And, 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 and played fullback. So he's a talented player, and uh, sky's the limit for him. He's, he, he's got to figure out what his ceiling is and, and, and make sure he plays with great effort all the time. Next, we'll go over to Laney Higgins. Go ahead, Laney. Hey there, Stetson. This question is for you. Um, I really wanted to know, you know, all season long, there's been people in your ear, maybe not in your flip bone, but in your ear oh. about, you know, how you shouldn't be the starting quarterback or how, you know, maybe this shouldn't be the season. And I know it's meant a lot to have Kirby stand by you all season, but you know, when you get to that point of both the fumble, the emotion that you feel there, you could see your face on the sideline to then the tears that happened a little bit later during that pick six, like, you know, was that sequence of events? Like, did it feel cathartic or just 
emotionally, where was your head at as you were going through that last, you know, 10 minutes of the game? The fumble was not cathartic, but the, um, you know, the fumble, that was, that was just football. There was, there was no, I, I put my head down and say, you know, that's, that's not going to be how we lose this game. And, you know, the teammate, I mean, AD went up and made it hit. He ran a great route. He went up, uh, Jermaine on the bench route. We, we'd ran that play in practice probably five or six times. We'd never thrown the bench route because we were trying to hit the skinny route on the right. And I mean, just the fact that Jermaine ran it one, like he did, um, you know, Kenny finishing his catch over there on the left, holding up in protection. Um, it just, just the whole drive, um, everybody, um, doing their job. Um, it, that, that, that's what this football team is. That's what Lewis, Lewis does every day for the defense. He's the leader over there. Um, you know, I love these guys. And then, you know, the, the tears afterwards, that just hit me. Uh, uh, you know, I hadn't cried in, I don't know, years, but I mean, that, it just came over me. You know, that's what, when you put as much time as, as, as we do into this thing, you know, blood, blood, sweat, tears, um, you know, it means something. Uh, for, for both players, uh, how, how do you deal with the, the knowledge now that you will be regarded forever in a special place in, in Georgia history and among Georgia fans, much like the 1980 team? Um, well, for one, um, you know, it's a it's a great honor, of course. Um, what you know, the coaches um, through recruiting and everything have done uh, for the program, and um, the goal is moving forward is you know to stay hungry and you know not get complacent. Um, that's the worst thing you could possibly do is get complacent. Um, so our our goal is you know to continue on being um, chasing greatness in terms of you know how we practice the things we do. Um, um, the players, um, even younger, older guys being great leaders. So um, I would say moving forward, that's just, we just got to continue everything we did this year um, and just up at a level. Kirby, can you describe your emotions? That interception on the pick six happened pretty close to you on the sideline. Could you just describe your emotions as you were watching it and then running down the sideline, uh, sort of chasing after Keeley? What was going through your mind there? A sad thing is I was screaming to get down, and that was the wrong play there. You know, I saw the receiver coming behind him, and uh, pessimistic thought or, or whatever, I was worried about the guy stripping the ball from behind. And then I realized 11 wasn't going to catch Keeley. Uh, and once I realized that 11 wasn't going to catch Keeley, I didn't want to get a holding call on Channing. And all I could think about was get down, get down, we can win this game, run the clock out. They're, you know, if they don't have timeouts there, the play is to get down. But they did have three timeouts, so they probably could have got the ball back. So going up two scores was the right move. And um, probably a little prematurely, I felt like we had won the national championship. But, you know, we, we still had to get a stop because they could score two point and, and get it on side. And uh, I was a little concerned with that. But I, it, it was ironic because the ball was in the air. You know, all we've done this year is throw balls to our DBs. You can ask Lewis. We've thrown millions of balls because of playing the ball in the air. And I had, when that ball was in the air, I said, he's going to catch this thing. We're going to win this game. And uh, he did. Stetson, uh, a couple weeks ago uh, in Athens, you, you you spoke about how much Georgia football means to so many people. You grew up in the state, you know a lot of people in the state. You you said you almost don't like to think about it because it becomes a little bit overwhelming. Uh, I'm wondering if you can articulate the feeling of delivering this type of special joy to so many, really millions of people across the state by winning tonight. 
Well, I mean, first of all, it was the defense who kept us in this this game. You know, while we were stumbling over our own feet the entire first half and then starting out in the second half. So, I mean, they won this game for us. Um, you know, we we st- we executed a few drives. Um, we could have done so much better. You know, but we got the job job done whenever we needed to. Um, you know, it, it hadn't hit me um, yet. I guess it hit me a little bit on the sideline, but you know. No, I can't articulate it. I'm not that smart. Um, but, yeah, but it feels great. Well, I'm just so proud of our team uh, for what they've accomplished all season long, uh, the adversity that they had to overcome, the togetherness that they have as a group, uh, the way they've supported one another, um, and to go undefeated, uh, win 11 SEC games, and win the national championship, and beat two fine teams in Notre Dame and Ohio State. I'll tell you how proud I am of that. And we, you know, a lot of guys, you know, played not not absolutely 100% because we would be beat up, but showed a lot of guts and a lot of grit out there uh, in terms of the way they competed and the way they performed. Uh, I think it was a fantastic offensive performance by Mack and Smitty and uh, the whole group. The offensive line has done a great job all year long. So um really just can't say enough and can't really put it into words in terms of how proud I am of this group, this team, uh, because they are the ultimate team. Nick, congratulations. I know you don't like to compare teams, but both of your undefeated teams really different offensively, at least, and probably defensively. I wonder if you could compare the two and and what it's like now to have another undefeated team. Well, I I think especially in this year, with all the disruptions, no spring practice, uh, really no summer uh, ball of ball or any sort, uh, develop players, uh, no games where you could play other players and develop players on the team. Um, I think this is based on the circumstances. You know, this team has really accomplished a lot uh, to be able to do what they did. We have great leadership on this team. Uh, really good players um, that are the best people on the team. And I think it's always fun to coach when the best players on your team are the best people. And um, the other undefeated team we had had great people, great players, and they were a great team too. I think ball has changed. It's a little more wide open, a little more spread. Um, and you know, this team has adapted and we've changed with it. Uh, our coaches did a, an out- outstanding job with this team all year long. Um, and just proud of uh, our whole organization and everybody who contributes to it for what we're able to accomplish. Congratulations, Coach Saban. Um, I wanted to ask about Smitty and Najee, who are two of your players that set single-season records for receiving and rushing yards, and it seems like their performance this year is largely a product of kind of your shift in offensive scheme um, in the last few years. So I was wondering if you could kind of Explain how much of a difference you think your um, change in philosophy played in, you know, getting those two players to have the games that they did and the seasons that they did. Well, I, I think it had a significant difference. You know, we've gradually changed through the years um, to be more spread oriented, but still keep pro style drop back concepts with, you know, our offense, legitimate play action passes. Um, so this whole 
sort of blend of all these things and creating balance to be able to run, make explosive plays uh, with action passes that complement the runs and be able to throw RPOs to, um, you know, count people in the box a lot. We do a lot of RPOs tonight uh, on a lot of those slants and glances and um, they had eight guys in the box or one more than we can block and uh, you're one-on-one with the corner. So uh, Mac does a great job of executing it. Uh, Smitty obviously had a great half um, and Nazi has played well all year long and had some tough yards to get out there tonight. We knew it would be tough running against these guys the way they play and we knew we'd have to throw the ball to win and we did it effectively. Uh, yeah, Nick, what kind of job did, did Sark do finding a way to get playmakers in position to, to, to always to make plays? It seemed like Smitty uh, always get a open. Fabulous job. Yeah, he's done a fabulous job all year long. Um, he's got a great plan, does a great job preparing the players, um, and does a really good job of calling the game uh, and you know knows what the other team is doing, uh, and knows how to attack it, knows where to put the players to put them in position to be able to make those plays against what the other team is doing. And He's, he's just done a fantastic job this year. I can't even tell you, um, can't even put it into words what a great job he's done and how much confidence the players have, you know, in the plan and the execution. And, you know, he's really helped Mac as well, I think. Um, Mac, Mac had a phenomenal year. So uh, our offense was really the key to the success of this team. We, we weren't, you know, we're, we're – okay defensive team not a great defensive team we played well enough and got enough stops uh but the offense was dynamic and that what that's what made the difference yeah just wondering you had a couple teams that um 2016 2018 that came close to winning uh going undefeated finishing the job this team actually did it what's what's the legacy do you think of this team uh that was able to finish the the undefeated season well you know to me this team accomplished more almost than any team no disrespect to any other teams that we had or any championship teams, but this team won 11 SEC games. No other team has done that. Uh, they won the SEC and went undefeated in the SEC. Uh, and then they beat two great teams in the playoffs with no break in between. Now, this is our fifth game in a row from LSU to Arkansas to Florida to Notre Dame to here. Um, and played 13 games and went undefeated. With all the disruption that we had in this season, uh, I think there's quite a bit to write about when it comes to a legacy of a team. Uh, Coach, you touched on it, but I mean, what does it mean, one, to have guys like Mac, Jalen, uh, even Landon at the end gut through the injuries you were about? And uh, the second part, for you were asked about Bear Bryant afterward. I mean, what does it mean to you to continually be compared to a coach with his legacy? Well, I don't think anybody really compared to Coach Bryant. Um, you know, in the era that he coached and the era that he won, you know, he won a lot of different ways. You know, he won throwing it. He won running a wishbone. He run it, won it running conventional, you know, offensive formations. And, you know, his legacy lasted, you know, over a long, long period of time. And, um, you know, we all have to adjust with the times. Obviously, things are a little different now. Uh, the challenges are a little bit different with this, you know, the spread offense and uh, the things that, 
make it more difficult, I think, to play good defense in this day and age. But I think Coach Bryant is, you know, sort of a class of his own in terms of what he was able to accomplish, what his record is, and the longevity that he had uh, and the tradition that he established. If it wasn't for Coach Bryant, we would never be able to do what we did. Uh, I mean, he's the one that made Alabama and the tradition in Alabama a place where lots of players wanted to come. And we've been able to build on that with great support. Uh, and his family has always supported us in, in a tremendous way uh, that has helped us have the success that we have. But that tradition that he established, that's a big part of that. Nick, how difficult was it for to see Devontae go down in, in the second half there just after the season that he's had? And just how is he doing as far as his hand after the game? Well, you know, he did really dislocated his finger. Um, and, you know, I told somebody after the game, I said, you're the only player that I know that missed the whole half because of your finger. Just kidding. But uh, they couldn't get it to – it was dislocated and they couldn't get it back in. And if they had got it back in, he, he would have been fine. And he actually wanted to win and play, and uh, we just didn't allow him to. But he's a great competitor. Uh, I heard somebody say he set some kind of record in the first half of the game. Um, heavens knows what he'd have done if he'd have played the whole game. Uh, but, you know, you're talking about the ultimate warrior and the ultimate competitor. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm so happy for him that he was recognized as the best player in college football. All right. That was the post-game audio from the college football playoff national championship game. Again, all the press conferences were virtual. Uh, you know, which which I really loved watching the final moments of that game amongst the fans and the crowd and stuff like that, but really did miss out on going onto the field and into the locker room. I mean, that's always one of the highlights of the year for me, seeing the raw emotion of players and the coaches and their family on the field. So hopefully that gets back to normal soon and we get back to kind of, you know, the way things were. But fantastic night last night. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then... This is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. The Arash Markazi Show on a new generation of radio. The all-new and mightier 1090 AM. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.